And I invite you right now just to, if you're comfortable, just open your hands, open your hearts before God. Lord, we thank you that you are the speaking God. We thank you for that amazing promise that you work all things together for our good. What a great promise. What an amazing promise to have over our lives that you are the good God. You're a speaking God. You speak to us. All the time you're speaking to us, getting our attention, calling us to love you, calling us to lay aside other things. And we say, Lord Jesus, this morning we want to respond to you. We want to respond to the prompt of of you, Holy Spirit, coming and saying, come on, would you put God first, God above everything else. And so we pray, give us ears to hear and eyes to see what the Spirit is saying and doing in our midst today. We want to be a responsive people. We want to grow and lay deep roots into you in this season. We want to walk with a fresh um, sense of being in step with the Spirit, responsive lives to what you're doing among us, Lord God, and what you're saying. So we're here for you and your glory. So come and help us to have responsive, soft hearts to you this morning. Amen. Um, Rob, can we just welcome Rob? Rob, come and share. Rob's based um, in the East. Go for it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, good to see you, everybody. Um, I've got 10 minutes and I need to get back to the East, so... Um, It's great to share with you guys. Um, I have been reading a book, and if anyone has spoke to me about, so where are you with God at the moment for the last year? If anyone's asked me that question, I've been kind of saying that this book by John Eldridge called Moving Mountains, How to Pray with Passion, Confidence, and Authority, has just gripped me, and it's undone me. Uh, And I've read this book, and, and it's one of those situations where I've been a Christian for over 20 years, and I read this about what it means to pray with authority, and it just makes me think that I haven't really started, and that I don't really know what that means, and that I haven't really been seeing the fruit of that in my life. And so in this book, he, he says, to pray with authority, first of all, we need to know who we are. We need to know that we are sons of God, and, and that we do have authority to pray and to move mountains. But one of the things that he says is, is if it was as simple as that, it was, if it was just a case of know your identity and walk in it, then we would see more advance than we are really seeing. Uh, and, and so for me, the challenge of this book was that he really said that you know, authoritative prayer, which, which is spiritual war, which, which is rallying against principalities and powers, Um, then we need to be consecrated. We need to be holy. We need to be people, as it were, who have no chinks in our armor so that when we rage against the forces of evil, that we are not going to be taken out, that we're not going to have any footholds in our lives where the devil is going to be able to take us out. We need to be those who are ready and and those who are prepared. And, And so as I've been thinking about this, there's been some verses that have been particularly living with me and The guys wanted me to share these with you. Um, First of all, in relation to consecration, one of the first verses that I really looked at that really challenged me about this was in Exodus 19, where where the children of Israel are around the mountain, and and God is going to come and reveal himself to them and give them the law, and his glory is going to come down the mountain. And Moses says to the people, consecrate yourselves. Make yourselves ready. Wash your clothes. Be ready because revelation is coming. Be, be ready because encounter is coming. And, and one of the things I would just want to say to you, church, is that I really think if we want to know more encounter and more revelation of God in these days, we need 
to consecrate ourselves. We need to make ourselves ready. I also noticed that in Joshua chapter 3, when they're just about to cross over the Jordan, when they're just about to go into the promised land, when they're just about to take Jericho and see some amazing things, God says to the people through Joshua, consecrate yourselves and you will see amazing things. And it seems to me that what we're seeing there is that God is saying, if you want to advance in my purposes and my will and the things that I've got for you, you've got to be consecrated. And I just think, church, in these days, if we want to advance, if we want to see the kingdom break through in these days, we have to get serious about our walk with holiness. And then just a couple of chapters on, I'm sure you're familiar with the story of Achan's sin, where, where the, the Israelites had, had compromised. They, they'd taken hold of idols, like what Nick was telling us about last week, that there were idols in the camp. There were compromises amongst the children of Israel. And, and they went into this battle that was supposed to be easy, and they lost. And again, Joshua tore his clothes, and he said, we need to be consecrated. So that there's consecration for encounter, there's consecration for advancement, there's consecration for victory. And these verses have just hit me between the eyes. And I just think this is what God is saying to us in these days. And it also makes me think of in 2 Timothy 2, where, where Paul is writing to Timothy and he's talking to him about the nature of the Christian life. And in those verses, he says to him, you know, we need to be like soldiers. Because soldiers are, are trained and soldiers are single-minded and soldiers have got their armor on and they're ready. And he says we need to be like athletes because athletes are strict and they're disciplined and they're single-minded and they've got their eyes on the prize. And Paul says they play by the rules. They know how things work. They know how it's got to be done. And then he also says, you know, that being a Christian is like being a farmer. Because it's as simple as this, right? You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. That which you put in is that which you get out. And Paul says to Timothy, you know, reflect on these things and the Lord will, will give you insight into it. And I've just been thinking in these days, you know, that we need to be those who have the seriousness and single-mindedness of soldiers and athletes and farmers. And there's just one more, just one other verse that's really struck me in these days is in James 5, where James says, the prayer of the righteous man and woman is powerful and effective. And as I've reflected on this verse, I have just thought, when it says the righteous man, righteous woman, it can't just mean someone who's standing in the righteousness of Christ. It can't just mean our positional righteousness, that we are clothed in him, that we are Christian. It must mean more than that because he's making a differentiating emphasis. He's kind of saying that there is this other thing. There's this other thing that matters that brings power and effectiveness in prayer. And it's righteousness. It's righteousness, church. It's consecration. It's holiness. It's getting serious with God. It's being willing to 
die to our old ways. It's being willing to throw off our idols, as Nick was saying to us last week. It's about being willing to repent, which means turn around and go in another direction. And so the Lord has just been impressing these things upon me for, a, for about a year and just challenged me, challenging me that I need to look at my life, that I need to look at how I spend my time, how I spend my money, how I speak, what I watch on the TV, that it's time to get serious with God because if I want to be an authoritative prayer, if I want to be a warrior of the kingdom, then I need to have my armor on. And guys, I just want to just encourage you in that. Just want to bless you in that. Just want to encourage you to pursue that and to walk after that and to say that maybe even today, that today is the day where I'm going to say, I'm going to seek what it means to be consecrated, to be set apart again. And then we'll see what God can do in these days. Bless you. So as you can see, when after Nick had shared what he was well, God had laid on his heart, and then um, Al had read what Rob had messaged him. Rob, thank you, by the way. Um, we, we got to the point where we felt, yeah, God's speaking. God's speaking to us. Um, Sharon, would you come and share what you uh, believe God was speaking to you about? Hello. Um, so I emailed Conan because over the last few months, I'd felt God had been speaking to me. But I just had this feeling that maybe it wasn't just for me, it was for the church. And I'd held on to it for a while. And it goes back to when we had the royal wedding in May. And just before the wedding, um, I was watching the local news and they were talking to people who had been invited. Um, and I just, a bit of a, I'm a bit of a royalist. And I thought, wow, how amazing to be invited to actually be at the wedding. And I thought, if, if I was invited to that, I would move anything that I had that would be, to me, far less significant to make sure that I got there. Um, and that got me thinking about not declining such an opportunity. But the wedding that we're invited to is a wedding that is much more significant. And yet our excuses or our whims that may lead us to procrastinate to the invitation that we've been given, or worse still, to decline it altogether. And I reflected later on the fact that we haven't been invited as a guest to this wedding. Our wedding invitation is not as a guest, but it's the proposal, a proposal to be the bride herself. God proposes not to one dressed in finery, anticipating a great occasion, but to one who's been stinking and dead in the gutter, proposing not on bended knee, but from a cross that makes the wedding possible. It was and is the most amazing love story the world has ever known. A bride that Christ loves and desires. He is jealous for her. And he wants his bride to be pure and spotless. And we'd had a number of words in church about linking to the royal wedding, and I'd sort of put it aside. And several weeks later, I found myself thinking of something else. And I've come in from Letchlade and frequently have to wait at the traffic lights in Letchlade. I don't know if you know it. And the statues, the, in, I think it started in Sirencester, where you have the big hairs and you can go on the hair trail. Um, and there's one of these large hairs at the seat um, in Letchlade. And I... As I'm sitting at the traffic lights, I looked across and saw the hair on a number of occasions. 
And it's painted in a blue wavy pattern. And I sort of started to think that it was linked to the Thames and thought of it as being head of the Thames. And I saw it as an idol. I was reminded that at the lock as well, there's another stone statue of Father Thames. And it took me to consider the increase in statues um, that we have in this time with the trends of the trails. And I went down to Southampton and there was a zebra in one of the parts there, the same sort of thing. And I just, in my mind, I related them to idols in our towns and cities, not just from our culture, but those that are carried by God's people, the church. Whilst we don't worship idols on street corners in the manner that other countries may, I sense there are many idols that we worship, that the world has infiltrated the church instead of the reverse. The church, that's us, is playing with idols, but time is running out. God's church has work to do. He wants her to bring the high places down, as in the song that we sometimes sing, the high things must come down. And things in our lives that have become idols and taken the place of God must come down. First, we must bring down our own idols and then reach out and bring down the idols in our culture. I began to realize that this related back to what I, heard, I felt him say weeks previously. The idols must come down so we can be his pure, spotless bride, loving and desiring him above all else. It may not seem a big thing or idol or God in your life, but if it takes God's rightful place or even pushes him aside or compromises our walk with him, it must come down. And one thing I just felt to share that God spoke to me about and just encouragement as well to the older people in our um, congregation. I'm, as some of you will know that I'm still living with my father at the moment and he is a Christian and he spends time, he'll have his God time in the morning. And I was taking him out one morning and I said to him, come on then, are you ready to go? And he said, not yet, I haven't done my reading. And that irritated me, if I'm honest. I thought, you can just do that later. It doesn't matter, you can do it later in the day, which is what I was going to do. But as time went on, I realised that even by saying to God, I'll leave you to later, it's not convenient right now, I want to go out and get things done, there's more important things to do. That is putting things before God. In the song that um, Ant and Jack, I remember one Sunday, we sang about, in the quiet hour, I wait. When was the last time I waited on God for an hour? I spend an hour with a friend, but do I wait on God for an hour to have time with him? We've been called to the wedding of all time, not as a guest, but as the bride herself. We are to be pure and spotless by grace through his sacrifice for us. And all idols in whatever form, anything that comes before him, must come down so we can be the holy people he desires us to be. Can I invite you to stand? Um. The prophetic is, and by prophetic we mean God speaking to us by his spirit to build us up and strengthen us and encourage us and edify us in faith and to lead us into God's purposes for us. And the prophetic is always an invitation. It's always an invitation from God. 
It's always an invitation to his intention, to what he's purposing, and therefore it's about our response. It always invites a response. And so I just want us to, in these moments, we're going to um, share communion in a bit, and that will be a great point to respond as well. Um, I've asked Catherine if she will come and share uh, a picture that she had, which I, I feel is a, is a, for me, it really encapsulates what God's doing and saying to us as well. So she'll come and share that in a moment. But right now, before, before we move on, I would love us just to respond and just be before God. And okay, let, like... Sharon said, let's just, let's just be still before him. And I just want to encourage you. The thing with idols is you have to say, God, search me, O Lord. Search me, O Lord. Come and search me and come and, come and speak to me. Just as Rob said a moment ago, I've, I've, spent, I've spent a season kind of saying, what areas of my life are, are not pleasing or are not in, aligned with the kingdom of God and and we need to be doing that together. And so I want to just invite you. This is a start of a journey. It's not all here this morning right now. We're at the start of a, of a new journey, I believe, that God wants to speak to us. He wants to call us on in him. He wants us to lay um, things down before him. And this morning is an invitation. And maybe this morning as Rob and Sharon were sharing, you just in your heart, you just know that God is speaking to you. I'm saying, come on, come on, it's time to put me first. Come on, it's time to be zealous for me afresh. Come on, it's time to lay aside other things for, for my glory. And so I just want, I just, we're going to leave a, a few moments. We're just going to be still before God, okay? And I, let's not feel uncomfortable. Please don't, you don't have to, nobody pray out or prophesy, okay? We're just going to leave time for God to come and speak to us personally right now, and then we'll um, let the band Catherine, would you come and um, just share? I'd love you to um, just stay in a place of worship. Um, I'd love you just to hear this. You're welcome to sit down. That's fine if you want to. Um, but Catherine, go for it. Thank you, Lord. Um, about two years ago, my husband, Stuart, and I were feeling pretty stuck in our marriage and our walk with God and there's a verse in John that says, uh, uh, Jesus, come that we might have life and live it to the full. And we wanted that. And we weren't sensing we were living that life. And at that time, we went to visit my brother-in-law. And he's a keen gardener, as is my husband. And he said, oh, do you want this plant, Stuart? It's been in the garden for a year. It's not doing anything. It's just, just not doing anything. It's just there. So she went, yeah. So he dug it up. And much to his embarrassment, he would planted it in the pot. So it was completely pot-bound, so it couldn't grow. So we put it in our car, and driving home, I, I just suddenly thought, I wonder if God, there were potted plants in the Garden of Eden. And then that led on to pictures about what would a church look like if everyone was pot-bound in it. And that would be a church where there were, was growth and there were things that looked lovely, but there was also struggle Plants of the species of ought to, should of, comparison. And th these were plants that were jaded in bloom and poor fragrance and little fruit. 
So that stayed with us and we went home and I told Stuart and we went life went on. And two weeks later, we went to another a church different from ours and there was a prophetic ministry team there. And the guy stood up at the beginning and said, well, we have some words of knowledge. Is there a couple here who feels stuck? So I said, we're going up. So we went up for prayer and the leader said to me, did you used to have dreams and visions of God from God? And I said, yes, I did. And he said, you have them no longer. I said, no, I don't. And he said, before we came here, we were praying as a team. And we had a picture, as clear as anything, of a tree in a pot that was bound. So we went away with a great desire in our heart for God to unbind us, to seek his way and be replanted in him so our roots could go deeper. A couple of weeks ago at this service, a man was here, um, we're new here, but he used to be an elder here, Mark, and he came and he said, he'd just come to visit me at the service, and he said unexpectedly to him, he'd been given a picture and he didn't know what it meant, and it was a, a, pot a, a, a tree planted in a pot that was pot-bound. So I went home and I asked God, what does that picture mean for, this, for our church? And I'm not a gardener, but when a plant is pot-bound, it's, it's fixed in the shape of the pot it's in. Its roots are round and round and wrapped tight. And to release it, sometimes it's quite hard to get it out of the pot. And then you have to tease the roots so that air and the soil around it become less impacted and it can grow down and be put in the ground. And I felt that that's not something you can do on your own. You have to ask the Holy Spirit. And as a community, we are called in love to pray and speak to people who you can see are bound. Maybe they can't see it or they need help with that to tease those roots out so they can be free into the ground. And going back to my question initially, you know, did you have potted plants in the Garden of Eden, God? I don't think he did. They look good, but they're contained. Plants in pots are contained. They can't go anywhere. And they're separate from each other. They're separate from the other plants in the garden. They can't share the nutrition in the ground. They can't sit in the shade of other plants. So a great sense that the other thing is, by their name, plants are contained. God is uncontainable. God is uncontainable. His extravagance, his exuberance, his creativity in every single one of you here wants to be deep, deep down and rooted in him. And then you will see amazing things and fabulous plants. Amen. Can I invite you to stand? I, I hope you hear... the whisper of the Spirit to us and what he's saying to us at this point. And I, I really believe there's an invitation. And when I was with Catherine and Stuart a couple of weeks back and Catherine shared um, this picture with me and and I felt as soon as she said about um, something they something that these guys said, they weren't beating Gateway up at all, but they said, as we've come to Gateway recently, we feel like we've. it looks like there's lots of pot-bound people here. 
and it wasn't critical. It was a it was like a prophetic seeing, if you like. And and as soon as Catherine shared this story, I just felt like God said to me, "Yeah, this is this is what I'm doing." And there's loads of metaphors all flying over the place at the moment. And load and but you know the Bible talks to us in lots of ways about our identity in Christ, that we are the bride of Christ, that we are children of God. I mean, that's not a metaphor. That is what we are, and we are the bride of Christ, that we're soldiers, that we're athletes. And the Bible uses all these metaphors and, and imagery to help us understand of what our identity is in Christ, that we are a kingdom people. We are children of God, and therefore we have the authority of heaven but we're called to be holy because God is holy. We're called to reflect him into the world. And so God wants to come and bring freedom among us. And he wants us to walk into what it means to be children of God, to, to, to walk in a different step to the world, but to walk in step with the spirit. And, and as Catherine shared that picture with me, I felt like, yes, I felt for myself. I felt for many of us here. It's not pointing fingers at anybody, but I felt there is a, a pot boundness that God wants to come and release among us. And so we're going to share communion right now together. And, and the great thing about communion is you come to God yourself, but you, we come as a community. We come as a people of God with Jesus at the center, and we come to him. And he's the one who unites us. And Jesus said, didn't he? He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Come to me, any of you who are thirsty, and drink, and streams of living water will flow from within your in." most being. And Jesus said that he's the vine and we're the branches and we're to be plugged in, grafted into him, drawing our life from him. And I I believe that even this morning that this is not just merely something for this morning, but it is what God is saying. I am going to release you. I am releasing you. You are, it's the point that, it's the point that Rob was saying, which I want us to pick up on next week, that In Christ, we are saved and rescued and adopted as sons and daughters into God's family. He's our heavenly father. Christ Jesus is our older brother. We've received the spirit as a down, as a deposit, a down payment on our life. If, if you could see your heart in that way, your spiritual heart, it would say belongs to God. Work of Christ. But then we need to learn what it is to walk in the spirit. We need to learn what it is to be the children of God in like stars shining in a night sky and in this world. And so as we come to communion right now, we're encouraged in scripture to examine our hearts and not just to drink and eat because it's something we do on Sundays and we just get into the habit of it, but to come and to examine our hearts and say, God, are the areas of idols? And idols are not little wooden things. They're not little, like Sharon said, they're not small wooden statues or big wooden statues that we, we bow down before. Idols are things that would take the place of God. Whether it's money, relationships, work, whatever it might be. Having children. Whatever it might be. An idol can be anything that can take the place of God. And so as we come to, to share communion this morning, I would love you just to come, but examine your heart and say, God, you encourage us to examine our hearts and I believe that you will and you will highlight. And this isn't about, this isn't about saying you're not doing good enough. This is an invitation from God. He's saying, I want to free you into your identity as children. I want you to, to be those who, who are powerful in prayer. I want you to be those who, who, when you see situations and circumstances, just as Helen was encouraging us, your first thought is a kingdom-minded thought. 
And I, I, I really believe this is what God wants to do, that he wants to, un, he wants to, to lift us out of the, the pots that we've been happy to be sat in for ages, maybe. And so, Father, can't, guys, can I invite you again to lift your hands? We've got to learn what it is in these days to respond to the Holy Spirit, to have humble hearts before him, soft hearts, open hearts, willing hearts to say, come and have your way among me. Come and, come and shape me, O oh Lord. Come and, come and lead me. Come and grow me. Come and stretch me. Come and do a work in my life that, that causes me to grow in Christ-likeness. And so come, Holy Spirit, this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. We thank you. You are here among us. We don't have to work anything up for that. You've promised that you are among us as we gather. And right now we just come as, as sons and daughters of the living God. And we say thank you that you love us. Thank you that we can know that we are um, securing Christ, that we are, our sin has been forgiven, we have been adopted into God's family, that we are children of God because that is what we are. And thank you we can know that with a, a sure and certain hope, a steadfast hope. But thank you that you call us to grow, you call us to, to lay down roots in you. You call us to mature in faith, to move on from milk onto meat. And we say, Lord, we want to grow in these days. We want to lay down roots. We don't want to be people who are pot bound in this life that look like the world. We want to be people that look like King Jesus. And so we welcome you, the, the small, we welcome you Holy Spirit, this morning. And we say, come, have your way among us. Come, have your way. Just as the um, band lead us, I'd love just be before God for a few moments. And when you're ready, just come and share communion. It's, we remember Jesus and his sacrifice that he gave his body and blood for us on the cross. And we reflect on that and we, we give thanks for that. But also we remember that he is the returning king. That the bridegroom is returning for his bride and we celebrate that. We celebrate that Jesus is not dead, that the tomb is empty, that the cross is empty, that Jesus has, as Anne was saying earlier, that Jesus has risen and he has ascended. And right now he is reigning and ruling from heaven with power and authority. Matchless power, matchless authority. And he loves his bride. And Jesus is praying for us this morning. So as we come to the Lord's table, can I say to you, be strengthened in God. Be strengthened in faith this morning. Know that he is for you. Know that he is with you. Know that he is for us as a community. Know that he is with us as a community. And it's not that God says, you're not doing good enough. He says, there's so much more for you. There's so much more for you. Being a follower of Jesus, and I will stop with this, doesn't start one day when we get to heaven. It doesn't start one day. You're not saved for heaven. You're saved for now. Eternal life now. Life with Christ now, reigning and ruling with King Jesus now.